Good evening. I'm Dick Celeste, and I have the privilege and pleasure of welcoming you to Armstrong Theater in the Colorado College campus and to a wonderful evening this evening. Tonight's performance is the keynote event for Cornerstone Arts Week 2008, an annual public event that examines the social, philosophical, or aesthetic question through a variety of media, including visual arts ex exhibitions, theatrical performances, literary readings, films, and lectures, emphasizing interdisciplinary collaborations, impassioned dialogue, and the free exchange of ideas, Cornerstone Arts Week makes Colorado College's liberal arts experience available to the general public. And we're pleased that you're with us. And I want to point out, when you get home, when you get home tonight, if you aren't, haven't already logged on our news and events section in the website, do so and let us know. We'll keep you posted on what we're doing. Cornerstone Art Week, Art, Arts Week continues with the performance of Barnum, the least greatest show on earth. This, this we're glad the cast is here tonight. Uh, this Friday, or their parents, this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in Armstrong 32 at 8 p.m. Uh, Cornerstone Art Week's Arts Week is a component of the Cornerstone Arts Initiative, a dynamic college-wide program that emphasizes collaborative interdisciplinary arts teaching linked to current and developing technologies. The initiative, initiative's mission is to facilitate the creation of innovative, innovative collaborations in teaching, visual arts, and performing arts through interdisciplinary classes, exhibitions, performance, performances, and events. The initiative's bold pedagogy is made manifest right across the street in the new Edith Kinney Gaylord Cornerstone Arts Center, which will stress collaboration and collision mediated across disciplines by technology and will house elements of drama, dance, art, art studio, art history, creative writing, music, and film. The Edith Kinney Gaylord Cornerstone Arts uh, Center features uh, include two new theaters, the idea space, home to the interdisciplinary experimental arts program, arts computer labs, music rehearsal spaces, rogue performance spaces, scene shops, costume shops, a film screening room, a working sound stage, and large public spaces all rigged for performance and collaboration. We envision a kinetically fluid arts factory for students and faculty. It will knock your socks off. Now, this tonight, An Evening with Sandra Bernhard is sponsored by the Gay and Lesbian Fund for Colorado. Thank you. And and the Robert and Ruby Pretty Charitable Trust from Wichita Falls, Texas. Now, there's a good combination. Ad additional support is provided by the following departments at Colorado College. Thank you. The NEH Professorship, the Drama Dance Department, the Colorado College Cultural Attractions Fund, the Office of the Dean, 
Feminist and Gender Studies, and the Art Department. So to all of you, we, we offer heartfelt thanks, and you will have even more reason to be grateful in the next few moments. Now I'd like to introduce to you Jessica Hunter Larson, who is CC alum and Colorado College's curator for the Interdisciplinary Experimental Arts Program. Jessica. Thank you. An accomplished comedian, actress, singer, and writer, Sandra Bernhardt is a truly interdisciplinary artist. She's perhaps best known for her television and film work, which includes a regular role on the hit show, Roseanne, guest appearances on shows such as Will and Grace and Chicago Hope, numerous appearances on pop culture touchstones, such as Late Night with David Letterman, The Tonight Show, Rosie O'Donnell, and The View, and her own talk show, The Sandra Bernhardt Experience. Her film appearances include Martin Scorsese's The King of Comedy, Inside Monkey Zetterland, gotta see that one, Hudson Hawk, and Dinner Rush. What you may not know about her is that she's also an author. She has written three books and has published essays in The New Yorker, Vanity Fair, and Rolling Stone, among many others. But it is her live performances that truly showcase Sandra Bernhardt's astonishing range of talents. Her critically acclaimed 1998 Broadway hit, I'm Still Here, Damn It, toured nationally and was filmed for an HBO special, which has achieved cult status. Her recent show, Everything Bold and Beautiful, galvanized audiences of the United States and Great Britain. Part comedy, part satire, and part cabaret, Sandra's performances break down perceived boundaries between entertainment, social commentary, and performance art. She defies categorization. The New York Times simply describes her as a living, breathing bonfire. Tonight, Colorado College is delighted to welcome you all to share a unique experience, Sandra Live. So check your delicate sensibilities at the door, fasten your seatbelts, and help me welcome Sandra Bernhardt. <laughs> Get your sexy out. 
so great to be so close to NORAD and the uh, Air Force Academy tonight. The day after Super Tuesday, you know, I li like to get back to my conservative Republican roots. And I can't think of a better place than Colorado to fulfill those unfulfilled desires that we've all had over the years. That's Mitchie Kaplan on keyboards, my musical director. We've been working together since 85, when I was just a baby. Many of you weren't born yet. This is Chrissy Jacks on guitar. He was my baby, almost my baby. Nisi Frazier. You know, I've never been afraid to share my stage with beautiful women of color. Oops, she's white. But she is wearing a bedazzled shirt tonight. In her spare time, she is a dealer at the casinos in Vegas, where we all like to spend a little bit of our time when we're feeling a little bit down. I've been known to feel a little down now and again. Not too often, though. Because I don't believe in giving up or giving in. This is the perfect time to turn the beat around. Don't you agree? What a wonderful time. Wonderful opportunities we're living for and in. And I love to come to the schools to all the wonderful educational programs. When I heard the word pedagogy, I knew I was in the right place. I knew I was home. I knew I wasn't at some big state university in Florida where they might end up throwing some sort of sharp object at me because I'm not talking fast enough. I like to keep it nice and easy and slow and give it to you in person. So many people say, why don't you blog? And I don't want to blog. I don't want to be one of those people who gets up every morning and sits in front of one of those little podcast cameras, just rolling out of bed, crusty-eyed and pillow creases and all sleepy, talking about my morning with you, getting my daughter off to school or last night's fight with my girlfriend. No, I like to blog on stage where I've been doing it for 30 years. Giving you couture, giving you zhuzh, giving you coiffure, giving you maquillage, giving you bijoux. Of course, these are fabulous fakes. I don't want any blood diamonds on my hands. You know me. I do everything right, and I do everything correct, and I have nothing to look back on and apologize for. If I was running for president right now, I'd have nothing to hide. Ooh, oh me, oh my, oh, I'm a fool for you, baby. Oh me, oh my, oh, you know I feel it deep in my guts, and I will say so. You know. The other day I was hanging out with Michelle Obama and she called me and said, Sandra, 
We need some color. We need some color out on the campaign trail. As I say that Barack is not black enough. And we know you're willing to put your beautiful black sassy self on the line. And I said, I'll be there, Michelle. I am coming. Hold on, sister. Hold on. Ooh. And I sang this song from the Aretha Franklin songbook. And you know what, Aretha is up in Detroit. Bring it down. Bring it down. Keep it way down underneath me. Thank you. A lady of color likes to hear herself over the music. And I called Aretha. I said, Aretha, is it all right if I do this? This song. Because I know you have made your mark on this song, and I don't want to upstage my sister. She's up in Detroit eating ribs and small children. And shit. Just sing the song, sister. I don't care. Shit, I ain't getting on no plane. She will not fly. She takes her buses and her trains. I say, oh, 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 oh me, oh, my, oh, I'm a fool for you, baby. Because I've got so much love in my heart. So Michelle said, come out onto the road. Oprah needs to get back to Chicago. and your lies and your deceit and your blue eyes. What is that? Black lady got blue eyes? Mm -mm. Oh, Oprah. She went over to Africa and opened herself up a school. She gave the children cell phones. Don't you know, Oprah, that's no good for a child's brain? They know what they need to be getting in touch with you. Who are they calling? Shit. They're calling the witch doctor on your ass. And the whole thing went down. Some shit went down at the school. I said, can we get back to the United States? Can we go to the inner city? Can we go to your own backyard, Oprah, in Chicago, in the inner city, and help out your children here in America? I know they dragged you over here 400 years ago. And you're trying to get back to your roots. I understand. But honey, one more person goes over to Africa and tries to capitalize on the shit. Ooh. I'm not pointing any fingers. Wherever we can help children, wherever we can uplift mankind, I say amen. Can we just do it right here in Colorado Springs? Shit. We got these children that are down in their basements on the internet emailing each other into pornography, all sassy, going around packing pistols, walking onto schools. Don't be an outcast in Colorado. That's why I'm moving across the stage as quickly as I can. I'll be a moving target. I will not stand still all night here in Colorado, ladies and gentlemen. If you see some some young pimply faced child with a backpack and a hooded sweatshirt, give me the high sign. Somebody get the fuck out of here. Get back on my United flight to New York City, honey, where the children know how to behave themselves. 
friend of mine told me that a friend of hers had gone to Kenny Bunkport years ago when Daddy Bush was still president. Apparently he jumped into the pool, pulled off his bathing trunks, swung them over his head and said, we're having tacos. We were walking down the street the other day in New York City, my girlfriend and my daughter and I, our, our daughter, excuse me, she's my biological daughter, but if I didn't have my girlfriend, this child would not be who she is. I'll get to that in a minute. Anyway, we walked down the street, and who passed by us in New York City, all grand on 6th Avenue, near Ricky's, feeling good, looking good. Come to New York, you'll remember that, and you'll laugh. And you'll say, I was on the cutting edge of something very, very important that night in Colorado Springs at Colorado College. Ricky's. Remember what I said now. So we're walking down the street, and who walks past us? Little sassy pants, Barbara Bush Jr. And I said, I walked up to her and I said, I don't want to be rude, but what the fuck are you doing in New York City? You go back to your people. You go back down to Texas with your tube top wearing, beer swilling, tequila popping, slutty shit. Get out of my city! was up in New York City last week and some, oh, she comes up every year to do this some sort of fashion show. It's for heart, heart disease in women. Honey, you're giving me a heart attack, Laura. And she stands there all just frozen. She used to be a human being. Of course, I'm a compassionate person. And I look at Laura and I go, now, I know she was a librarian. I know she has read. I know she used to wear Birkenstocks and hang out with her friends down in Texas. Then she got all up in that White House and she locked herself in. And she smokes her Newport Lights. A sister, she's a sister, smoking Newport Lights up in Washington, D.C. Honey, and they came down, the shapeshifter lizard people, they took over the ship. That's why she looks all lizardy and shit. But my heart goes out to her. The criminals. The criminals will have their day. It's coming. Oh, I saw it. I saw it. I saw it here with all the churches, the mega churches. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And he'll be wearing what he used to wear. A yarmulke, some sandals, making some woodcraft and shit, trying to revolutionize Judaism. And then his friends turned around and turned into some kind of business, as Jews will do. Being a Jew myself, I can say this. And they've been selling this shit now for three, four thousand years, and you're still buying it. Oh, hallelujah! Jesus is coming! Jesus is coming! Keep having your children. Keep getting pregnant. It's all right. Have all your rights taken away. Jesus wouldn't have liked it. Believe me, he would not have had it that way. He was in a scene. He lived up in the rocks and the mountains. And he meditated. He was a true Kabbalist. I won't talk to you about Kabbalah tonight. They tried to get me to come to some big old gay thing. In gay Alliance in New York City. You come and tell the children, the gay children, to study Kabbalah. I said, what are you going to tell them? About the vessels and the shit and they should have children? Uh-uh. 
keep my spirituality to myself. And you'll see it in my eyes. And you'll know I'm one of the chosen people. And you will be inspired. And you will follow me in spite of yourself. That is the power that I have. If I start preaching to you and trying to convert you and talk you over to my side, you will have contempt. You will run away. But you see me, a strong black Jewish woman. And you say, amen, I feel it in my bones. There's Michelle, there's Oprah, there's Aretha, and there's a feeling deep in your heart because you know the change is coming. There's going to be a change on the mountaintop here on Pikes Peak. I will, I'll get on my feet. I'll climb to the mountaintop. I will talk to you like a brother and a sister. I will open your hearts. Oh, be a lady or a mister. I'm so glad tonight was presented by so many wonderful people understand and they can hold out their hand don't put any limitations on the ship ladies and gentlemen i know you're young and i know this all looks so overwhelming but i'm here to tell you that it's a beautiful thing oh oh me oh my i'm a fool for you baby Ooh. oh jesus is coming jesus is here your hands off me. Shit! Jesus came up from behind. If you're young and you haven't studied Elaine, are you filming this show? It's okay. It's okay if you do. Put it out there on the airwaves, honey. Put it. On. It's fine. Let them know I'm here. Let them know I'm here and talking shit. Put it on the internet tomorrow. Just don't have some kind of downloading shit for yourself. Because if the money's going anywhere, it's coming to mama. I got my baby in New York City. I have a lifestyle to support, as you can see. Oh, I did my own hair tonight. I usually fly in a cadre of people to powder and buff, to apply and reply. Not really, I don't. I went to a uh, screening last week. Look at me, I've suddenly changed. I should have run off stage and changed at the same time. I only brought two outfits to Colorado Springs. I almost broke my back going through the airport carrying all my gear, all my bags. I try to get everything on board. I engage the people at security, and they recognize me from Roseanne, and they go, oh, hi, hi. And then they don't realize I'm sneaking through knives and cheese. And... <laughs> oh, there's so, it's all so crazy. There's code orange up there at Stapleton last night. No, what the hell happened? I wasn't aware. What? I like the way he faded out. I love that. Relief <laughs> for me. 
So I went to the screening last week. It was a big, you know, they have these screenings in New York City. They're chic and like, you know, they have a little cocktail before the screening. And then they show these, you know, not, well, they show a lot of good movies. This was the thing with um, Susan Sarandon, where she plays Doris Duke. Um, you can catch it on HBO over the next couple of weeks. Is it out yet? I don't know. Anyway, um, wonderful people were there. My girlfriend said, I got to go kind of regain my senses at the bar. I said, what's the matter? She goes, there's Rush Limbaugh with Cindy Adams. I said, you've got to be fucking kidding me. So I kind of moseyed around and there. I thought, how can you miss him? Well, apparently he's almost completely hearing impaired. How kind I am. Old school. He's just deaf. He's wearing a hearing aid. That, I mean, it's like, it's like some sort of like a, 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 a satellite dish on his head. That's how deaf he is. I said, when you lie as much as he has, eventually you can't hear anymore. God takes away your hearing. Why he can still speak is another question. I got to have a little sip to finish the story. Mmm. Honey, I was up all night drinking and pishing and drinking and pishing and drinking. It is. It's, I'm, I think I don't have altitude sickness. What if I just fell over? What if I doing the rest of the show, I just collapse it? Like Liza likes to do. She gets, in, she gets herself into more crazy shit and then she just passes out and falls off the stage and they send her back to New York City, but she has her 150000 per show. And don't, don't worry, I'm not making, you guys aren't paying me that tonight. Um, so anyway, we go into the theater and of course I, we don't have seats because this woman, Peggy Siegel, who plans all these parties, who's like a PR like superstar. I mean, she's 60. She's, I mean, she looks perfect, but she looks like 160 because she's had everything done. When are women going to start, stop with this shit, you know? Listen, I do a little bit. I have to. I got to keep it. I, wanna, I don't want to look all broke down. I mean, you won't find any scars, honey. I've got nothing to look clear. I wouldn't be wearing my hair up, honey, child, if I'd had the... I went for my mammography the other day. There was a woman who came in who was so pulled, by the way, speaking of pulling, you're too young to have had a mammography. I hope and pray by the time you get around to having to have them, that they don't do what they do to women now. And they don't pull on your tits. And then they, they're still laughing and talking to you. This New York broad always does mine. Like, the grandkids are good. Just, Snapping gum, I, my entire, I mean, things I didn't know existed are in this machine. I went home like Karen Silkwood and scrubbed myself afterwards with a, a metal brush. So anyway, we're, we're over up at the uh, Time Warner Center for this. Oh, honey, they tore down the Coliseum. It was New York City's old school. They used to have a lot of conventions and stuff there, you know, on Columbus Circle. And they put that fucking megawatt, you know, 300-story building, like, come on down, Al-Qaeda. You know, just fly right through me. I love on CNN today, there was a, uh, a little side dish story about 
children being trained as Al-Qaeda. I could have made this fucking video in my backyard. Kids were wearing track suits, Adidas track suits with like, you know, things over their heads with guns and they were like poking at some guy in a bike and this is the, you know, and then some guy from the army came on and was like, this is the future of Al-Qaeda. It's like, oh, you, and you're frightened by this? You can't handle like a bunch of 10 year olds? I mean, you guys are a fucking code orange anyway. It was a little filler, you know what I mean? Because, you know, CNN, they got to keep churning the shit out, keeping your interest. They make this shit up. They made this shit. Anderson Cooper, who, P.S., by the way, up until very recently, I adored and loved. He came to see my New Year's Eve show the year before last, came backstage and said, oh, my God. I I mean, if I'd known, I would have had you come and, you know, host the ball dropping tonight. I said, I'll leave with you right now. What are you talking about? I'll go with you. So who does he have on this year? That frigging, what's her name? Yeah, yeah, Griffin. I'll leave it at that. I used to do a whole piece about him in my show, but now I don't. And he's gotten very goofy. You know, he's trying to be like, I, I realize he's trying to be a comedian. They all try to be funny. Honey. Anyway, it's a sidebar. That was kind of my macaroni side dish. Anyway, we go down into the theater. There's no seats for us. So then I ran into to Ellen Barkin, who was married to Ronald Perlman. She's still furious with him. She made $20 million in the settlement. She sold all of the jewelry that he gave her. Don't ask. She's got, I mean, more money than you can ever imagine. I, I, I should have married Ronald Perlman. He adores me and loves me. He has $6 billion. In case you don't know who Ronald Perlman is. He owns... Uh, Estee No, no, not Estee Lauder, honey. Ralph Lauren. <laughs> you know. One of them, yeah, one of the poisoning of, of, of all women, you know, the chemicals that are the, the cheapest of the cheap, Revlon. And he's always crying the blues because Revlon is like never doing well, but anyway. Listen, the reason that Susan Sarandon got to do the ad is because Ellen Barkin talked him into it and Julianne Moore. Inside Hollywood, New York, scoop. Loving it, yes. Okay. I tried to get a couple of voiceover gigs out of it. No, but Ellen got them. What did Ellen need to be doing voiceover gigs where she was living with Ronald Perlman in their $15 billion... I'm not bitter about it. It's okay. (laughs) Just give me a voiceover gig. Pay me scale. I don't give a shit. A woman's got to work. I've got to keep up my dues for SAG and AFTRA so I have my insurance. Amen. Thank you, Obama and Hillary. I'll be signing up for that fucking AARP soon. Fuck this shit. I'm trying to be all grand and youthful. It's like, I don't honey, give me the free insurance. As long as you pay my upscale New York physicians. I'm going to start going to some HMO or some shit. Lining up, sitting and waiting in some, like, you know, industrial complex, along with the rest of the people. Like fucking crazy. Anyway, so Rush Limbaugh is standing there. I, I see him grab Susan Sarandon. I mean, do you know what that? I mean, can you imagine? You know what Susan Sarandon stands for? Fucking anarchy. She makes me look like a rank amateur. She makes me look like a fascist. I saw him grab her. I was like, oh my god. And I heard from inside sources later, Ellen Barkin being the person, that when he grabbed her, he said, I can't stay for the whole you know, program. 
She says, well, you shouldn't have come in the first place. But I don't understand. She was so close. I would have pulled out a knife and stabbed him in the head. But that's me. I don't know. Nobody would know the difference. He wouldn't. I would just give him a little lobotomy. Put a nail in his forehead. Hate-mongering son of a bitch. And he doesn't even believe in it. Trust me, that's the irony. He's got a gig. It's like, bless you, Ann Coulter, Rush Limbaugh, they all have a gig now. That's how they make their fucking money. Trust me, behind the scenes. I ran, ran into her at Fox News last year. I had to go and promote a little holiday song that, I, that Mitch and I wrote. It was, they said, will you write a holiday song for this compilation? And I didn't want to write just another Hanukkah song. So I wrote a song about well, about world peace. I'll do a little bit for you. <clears throat> it's the miracle of lights. Let's pray for peace. I can't remember the rest. Anyway. Ann Coulter was there at the same time because she, you know, she's always at Fox News. I said, what am I doing at Fox News? But that was right after, like, the, the last election when, you know, the Democrats kind of took over the House. Not that it mattered. See, Nancy Pelosi has been pulled. I adore her, though. She, I met Nancy at Gusto in New York City. She's delightful. She wears a nice suit. She sat behind Bush at the... Uh, at his last uh, State of the Union message, and I just see her in her head just going, oh, thank God, thank God, sitting next to Dick Cheney. Can you imagine? Who might just have a heart attack behind his knee, and you might have to catch him. This man, if he was anybody else in this country, would have been dead 15 years ago. You realize that, right? Talk about sick shit. They've managed to bring him back from the dead. Let's get his insurance policy. So Ann Coulter, she's getting, she was in the other makeup room. They were running me all around trying to hide me from her. Anyways, we were sitting waiting. I was ready to go on to do my little promotional spot. And uh, somebody said, oh my, Ann Coulter's here. I said, hide your purses. She might rifle through and try to steal your cash. And as it turned out, her mother was sitting next to me. But she had her hearing aid turned down. She didn't want to know about this shit any more than any of us did. So finally, I go in, I do my little plug, I come back out, and I come back into the green room, and there's Ann Coulter standing there wearing her, her mini skirts, which is such a good look for her, with a little midriff, you know, T-shirt and a long knit, some sort of thing that I would have made in high school, like a vest. A nude hose. I love a nude hose. An egg. Remember eggs? She bought out eggs and kept them in, whenever she cracked. A kind of cinnamony, you know, that cinnamon color hosiery. It's so chic. And she slips into some sort of a boat shoe and floats on by. Ooh. So I walk in, and she sees me, and she lights up like a fucking Christmas tree. And I'm like, oh, my God. She's looking at me. She goes, hi, I'm Ann Coulter. She walks right over, her arms open. 
almost like kissing me. I could feel like the hot dragon breath of deceit in my face, singed my eyebrows. It's like getting a microdermabrasion. A free peel. Because I'm Ann Coulter. I'm a big fan of yours. I came to see one of your one-woman shows years ago, and Bob Guccione Jr. brought me backstage to meet you. And I just stared at her, and I said, I, I mean, this was my moment to finally, like, my girlfriend and I have been rehearsing this for years. What will say if we run into Ann Coulter? I mean, it wouldn't be, like, just something cliche. It'd be more like, you know, Betty Davis. How interesting to run into you here, Miss Coulter. <laughs> right up in my face, and the only thing I could say was, gee, it sure was nice of you to bring your mother. <laughs> so there's Rush Limbaugh, practically like kissing Susan Sarandon's neck. And I just kept staring at him. I said, certainly I, I could get, you know, there's Tina Brown. Tina, you could come with me. Uh, Who's that wonderful director? Um, Sidney Lumet was behind me, complete with that big mole. I, I wanted to grab all of them, just come with me, to march up and just go, we, you aren't wanted here. You, you're not liked and, or loved or embraced here. Even though we're spiritual, wonderful people, you must leave. <laughs> but nobody was game, nobody would walk over with me. Mm. Oh, and so anyway, the next day I checked his, his blog. He is a blog. Oxycontent, incontinent blog. Big fat thing, Mr. Fat Fingers, smoking a big fat, funky, dirty cigar. If you want to suck a cock, it's okay, go ahead. We don't care, Rush. Just get the real thing. I mean, So I went to <laughs> see. How do people do it? <laughs> it takes three months to get used to it. I just I was speaking simultaneously. <laughs> like, like. We don't have a signer here tonight. Oh God, thank you. Just I'm just gonna have to hold this. I keep sipping. Sips. So I'm looking at his blog the next day, and he, and he actually wrote about the whole thing. And by the way, Cindy Adams is such a fool. She's an old fool. You, you kids wouldn't know who the fuck Cindy Adams. You don't read the New York Post. I don't have enough time up here to waste your energy on this one. She's the one who brought him. Cindy Adams, she's like a Jewish elderly woman who writes gossip for the New York Post. Anyway, so... He writes about the whole thing. He goes, yeah, well, you know, some people were, you know, actually really nice to me, like Tina Brown and her husband, Harry Evans, came over and said they love McCain. And that's just like, I need this from Tina Brown, editrix, former editrix of, of Vanity Fair. She's from England, and she's expounding on who she supports. Fuck you. Fuck you, English bitch. Go back to the queen. Fuck you. Get out of my country. 
They're so concerned about the immigrants. But they let all the English people stay. You don't hear anybody getting up in arms about the English crossing our borders or the Dutch. How can you have a Dutch friend? Bring them on. Bring me the Mexicans. Come on in. Come on. I love them. Bring me the Mexicans. You're staying. You're staying on my dime. Come on. Enjoy. So anyway, Rush Limbaugh, I get to, I'm, I'm, you know, running down the blog. He, I finally get to what I wanted to see. He said, and Sandra Bernhard stared icily at me. I said, triumph. I was so proud. I didn't need to say anything. My looks said it all. I shot him daggers. But I did not give him evil eye. Not that kind of a person. I wouldn't wish any harm on anybody. It'll come to him anyway. <laughs> right, Chrissy? I had to talk my nine-and-a-half-year-old daughter down from total histrionics recently because she is obsessed with Hillary. And um, I am too. Listen, nobody loves Hillary Clinton more than I do. Listen, I, I still have my first copy of Ms. Magazine. Okay, so you kids with your feminist studies, I was at the forefront. I wrote, I wrote some poetry and tried to... Uh, submit it to Ms. and they rejected it. I was 14 at the time. I don't know why they would do that. Anyway, um, so I told her, of course, I'm going to vote for Hillary because I really thought I was going to. And then all this shit went down with Bill and, you know, the, the racist shit. And I just like, Bill, just stay out of it. We don't want you there anymore. You've done nothing for this woman. You've given nothing but heartache to her. Not that she seems to care. I don't know. <laughs> the whole thing is highly suspicious. Hmm. And as I sit and I ponder it all. Anyway. So I've, I still I live in New York, but I still vote by absentee va valet. My absentee valet comes and collects my ballot, and he gets on first class private. Max Jet and flies across the country and delivers it to our local election board. That's how I like to vote. I know, I could save money, I can make it simpler, but why? I want it to be an event. Truly I do, truly, truly I do. <laughs> I go and have my nails done by my North, not my, I don't know, I think he's from North Korea, he's Korean though. Day Il Choi is my manicurist. It's, they call him Michael. Which I find terribly racist. He's wonderful, though. Um, so I go and I have my manicure, pedicure, and I, I voted. And I told Cicely, my, our daughter, Sarah, my girlfriend, my, my mother-in-law's here, uh, Susie. She drove in from Albuquerque today. She is like a road warrior. 
Susie is a road warrior. She drives, she gets behind that wheel, and she just tears up the fucking highway. I ran down the highway looking for adventure. Susie blew into town. Susie. <laughs> She's the bomb. She's the best. St. Louis late. They're St. Louis ladies. By the way, St. Missouri is the bellwether state. And they went Democratic. I am pleased to say, as go Missouri, so goes the country. Or is that California? I love it. Here's the bottom line. I'll get back to my daughter and her histrionics about Hillary. But last night said it all. Split almost 50-50, Obama, Hillary. 11 million votes for our children, for our blessed lady and black man. Hello, John McCain. Wonderful person of yesteryear. <laughs> Three million votes. Cindy, his wife, looks like, um, who was that puppet? No, who was the gay guy who had the, the madam? Waylon, Waylon Jennings. <laughs> Waylon, I'd be brilliant, Waylon Jennings and madam. She looks like fucking madam. She is a mess. They're all fucked up. They can barely keep their shit together. Druggy and full of regret. Now listen, here's a man. What has he got to lose? Five years in a fucking prisoner POW camp in Nam? And he can't stand up to fucking George Bush and those lying bastards who said that he had fathered a black child. Ooh, what if he had? Fuck you, prick fuck. How dare you? He adopted a baby from Bangladesh. And he just stood by like some sort of a fucking beaten POW. And wait, he was. No. But he acts like he still is. He never said a goddamn thing. If that had been me, I would have been. I'm taking hammers and smash people's skulls in. Okay. Fade in, fade out. He was demolished by Karl Rove and his evil brain. Sick brain. Now, don't worry. The universe is working on all of it as I was forementioned. Just recently, it comes out that he still refers to his captors as gooks. Now, oh, you didn't read this? Pick up the New York Times, kids, get with it. And I just said, no, wait a minute. He only refers to his captors as gooks. It's like, how about just referring to them as terrible people who did a terrible thing? Of course, don't forget, we were over there and we weren't invited and shouldn't have been there. And now all of our t-shirts from Abercrombie and Fitch are made in Vietnam, but that's a sidebar. We kind of just settled the fucking thing and made some, you know, deals where we would like imprison their people and make them make irritating t-shirts with little mooses on them. Could all have been done very above board. Now, first we had to go in and destroy the people and Agent Orange and fuck them up. Those communists are ruining our fucking way of life. But I enjoy their t-shirts. They make a hell of a nice t-shirt. So I said, wait a minute. What if his captors had been Bangladeshian? And he called them 
you know, ragheads or turban heads. What would he say to his daughter? Just them, not you. What if he adopted a Vietnamese kid? I'm not getting the response I was hoping for here. <laughs> I know you're thinking about it. Don't think so goddamn much. React, do something. For fuck's sake. Here, hold on. Let me move this. I don't want to blind you kids. Or I mean, I don't want to take away the joy of seeing. Hi. Spooky. So I feel like I'm doing everything right. My girlfriend and I feel like we're doing everything right. With our daughter, Cicely, who is just en enchanting. She called today. Well, actually, she spoke to me last night. She has um, started a business of making, um, you know, perfumes, essences, facial scrubs, out of household products. <laughs> of course, don't forget, we have all the best household products. I'm all natural, organic, and, you know, green. And she takes all of my plastic bottles I use for travel. So when it comes to, like, having to, like, pour some of my lotion, I never have any of my bottles anymore because she has made some of her potions. So she's taking her and, and uh, uh, Cordelia. They call it CC and Co. She has taken all of her products to school today and, and has started to sell them. I said, is this okay with Miss Bennett, her teacher? She goes, oh, she bought something for 250 She goes to a Waldorf school. It's very unconventional education. I'm sure you kids here at Colorado College can, you know, relate to that. My girlfriend who went to Middlebury is very upset because Cicely has recently expressed her interest in playwriting and poetry. And she said she would get a job on the side as a secretary. So you're gonna take a little trip back to the 50s? I like it. <laughs> So I told Sarah about that. She goes, and you know, the Waldorf thing is very loosey-goosey. I mean, you know, they don't aim for Harvard. I mean, and listen, anybody can do anything. That's the bottom line. If the kid wants to go to Harvard, we'll make it happen. I'll put in some calls. I'll call Ronald Perlman. He'll write a check. I'll do what I have to do if she wants to go to Harvard. So Sarah the other night was very upset. She was under a lot of pressure, and she started like getting very, very freaked out. And she goes, I can't get her into Middlebury with the insanity that's going on. I said, what are you, Mary Tyler Moore from the Dick Van Dyke show? Calm down. Well, get her into Middlebury. She'll go where she needs to go. For fuck's sake, relax. I didn't go to college. I went to manicuring school. Look at me. My parents gave up by the time they got to me. I have three older brothers. They were just burned out. Thank God. I wouldn't be who I am if they'd pressured me. Anyway, so Cicely has got, oh, and then she calls me and she goes, she goes, well, you know, Cordelia and I, we've started our company and, and, and we're, we're owed $5 from this one in Ford and we're going to end up making $14 by tomorrow. I was like, honey, this is all about porn. You're making me nervous. And she goes, but then Sasha and Mia have decided they're going to start their own company. And why is it? Why is it that everything has to be so competitive? Everything is so competitive. I said, it's a good lesson for you, baby. It forces you to move on to the next idea constantly. This is what's happened to me my entire career. People steal from me. They emulate me. They try to set me. They, uh, they emoliate me. They put emollients on me. 
She had a birthday party to go to during the holidays. Her little friend Havana, whose mother is from Cuba. <laughs> find that slightly irritating, but that's okay. So um, Havana had a play date with Cicely the day before, and, and, and um, Maria, the mother. Maria, there's a good name. I don't see your parents calling you um, um, Guantanamo. So she comes by to pick up Havana. Havana. Everything's done with a flair when Maria comes by. And um, she says that tomorrow they're having the party and they've hired a makeup artist to demonstrate a full face of makeup on Havana. And all the other kids will just get a, a, a light lip. An undefined lip. So Sarah and I drop Cicely off at the birthday party, and it's at a cupcake place. What's with the cupcakes and hamburgers? There's a, there's a place in New York. Cupcakes and burgers. I'll tell you who started the whole fucking cupcake trend. It's Magnolia Bakery in the village in New York City. Okay, it opened 10 years ago. When it first opened, it was cute. It was a throwback to a 50s kind of thing, very cozy, and I used to go in with my friends, and we'd sit there for half an hour, and I'd like take cupcakes for free. And then that fucking Sarica Jessica Parker had to come in with her band of bullshit and that fucking Sex and the City, bitch, P.S. by the way, I was supposed to be on in the role of, who's the redhead? Miranda. Can you imagine me eating cake out of a trash can? Okay. Don't forget, I turned it down before I knew what the fuck it was going to turn into. Had I known, maybe, maybe I would have done it. But to deal with that bitch who stole from everybody, that fucking Sarah Jessica Parker and her stupid line of new clothes, bitten. I want everybody to be able to afford clothes like me. Oh, great. Turn the whole country into whores and sluts with your cheap, lousy, tawdry, overly colored fabrics. She lives in the fucking village. Well, a block away from where they have the, the, you know, that's the house where she supposedly lived in the village. Now they have like these sex in the city tours of the West Village. Thank you, Sarah. Because many times I just want to take the entire tour over to her house and say, wait, come with me. I'll take you to her actual house. There's no love lost between the two of us, believe me. She can't get ready for my ass phone. Now the movie's coming out. There already have posters of it. It's, it is February uh, 7th, and it's coming out on May 30th. Get carried away. Of course, I'm trying to get a song into the soundtrack. Don't tell anybody I said all this shit. Anyway. So, so we dropped Cicely off at this cupcake place. In the meantime, Maria has hired a um, graffiti artist to do baseball caps. It's like, I don't want any fucking Mariah Carey shit to go down here today, okay? Or even worse, that uh, hipstone line. What's her name? What's her name? Shakira. Shakira. Da-da-da. Da-da-da. da 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 
By the way, there's that new ad for, for the hair, the shampoo. It's got Marilyn Monroe, Shakira, and Madonna. People, would, I mean, if you looked at their hair, would you go, oh, what's your shampoo? I mean, the shit is... So we drop her off, and we just, we, we didn't want to leave the neighborhood. Because I heard some sort of like, you know, like screaming or something. I wanted to be able to run back. Two hours. These birthday parties are two hours long. So we get back. Every, these kids are like, have full faces of makeup. I just, I, I'm, I'm keeping it together. My friend Shelly, who works for DKNY, is talking in, in front of Cicely about if I wanted to get involved with this, this anti-child pornography organization. Like, <laughs> Shelly, shut the fuck up. I get Cicely home. I, I finally get around to getting my, my chlorine eye makeup remover out. The stuff that I use for myself, it's very good stuff. But, you know, it's usually just, you just swoop off your, your eye makeup. So I'm like, gently, gently, there's mascara on my child's eyes. She has strawberry blonde hair. Her eyelashes are like spun gold. She has black mascara on her eyelashes. I'm very gently trying to remove it. It's not coming off. I, said, I screamed. Sarah ran in. I said, what kind of a monster would put waterproof mascara on a child? It took me three days to get off that mascara. I checked for pink eye five times a day. Some fucked up, stupid fucking New York makeup artist queen. Is everything all right over there? I don't wear waterproof mascara. Who the hell does? Esther Williams in her day, did she wear? Shit. So anyway, I, I, I was really on the fence. I still am. Listen, if I could have both Hillary and Bill, I lost my mind. If I could take Bill and tie him up for the next four years, shouldn't be that hard. He has three lovers around the world right now from very inside sources. Old habits die hard. Ask Mick Jagger. <laughs> Oh, Hillary. Anyway, um, so I voted by um, absentee ballot to California. And in the 12th hour, Sarah and I, my girlfriend, we decided, you know what? We got to go with Obama because the bottom line. Listen, I know. Listen, I'm not trying to guide you, but I really would like a clean slate. There's so little between the two of them anyway that, that there's any difference, really and truly. And you know what? What does it really take? You surround yourself with smart people. You get in there the first day. You sit behind that desk and you go the fuck did I just get myself into? And you got Michelle Obama up your ass. He's your idea, nigga. I did not want to uproot my children from Chicago, Illinois. And I had my upscale law job. So I sit behind the scenes with you, nigga, please.
you know it is not going to be pretty with Miss Michelle Obama. I saw her interviewed on CNN. Jenny, she does not suffer fools. She can't handle this woman was asking her the stupidest question. She's like, mm hmm. I like to be up in Chicago with my children. That's where I like to be. They're not on my time, I'm on their time. They need their school, they need to go to bed. That's why. Barack and I, we get home whenever we can. I'm, I only go out for two days at a time. What are you asking me, white bitch? <laughs> this is how a black woman rolls. <laughs> By the way, when Oprah was down um, stumping for, um, for o Obama down in uh, South Carolina, she got very, very black, very ghetto. Because, you know, Oprah, she can be very high English. Oh, she can get real ghetto down in Skype. Now, you all know what I'm talking about when I talk about Barack Obama. Because you all like to sit around in the hill salon. There's a lot of hill salons out here in Columbia, South Carolina. Now, you know what I mean? Can you please bring me my tea, darling? I had to circle back around to Oprah. I knew there was something else I wanted to touch on. There is so much going on right now. It is so, it's so right. It's so fucking right. It's so exciting. It is. It's really an exciting, be excited. Please be excited for me. Not for me, be excited with me because it's I feel I feel it I really feel a sea change I feel it's all shifting back to the right side of sanity thank God can people just stay out of each other's fucking business let's just start with that why all these fucking white men white men want to get involved in women's reproductive rights why they want to fucking tell gay people whether they can have the same rights as them. Oh, excuse me, Mr. White Cracker, old, dirty man. I didn't know you were running my life, old man head. Go wash your dirty scalp. You got no hair on it. It's oily. You stink, dirty ass, old saggy bald ass man. Go, don't you tell me what to do. Don't you be all grand on your golf course with me, motherfucker. Don't you dare. So I told Cicely I voted for Hillary because I just couldn't break her heart. She's so, she's a, she's a cancer and they're so sensitive and they have so much emotion and they want to be, they just, they're homebodies and they love, they just, they're just lovers. They just love, love, love from day one. Ooh, that child. Ooh, I would say, I, she goes, I love you. I say, I love you. And she goes, no, I love you more. And the only way that you could ever love me more is if you let me love you more. I know it sounds insane, but she means it. She's the cutest thing. So I, we were out for dinner with my niece, Adrienne, who's uh, went to Northwestern and now is uh, getting her uh, master's at Yale. And listen, 
I'm not trying to impress you. I'm impressed. She's my oldest niece, and she's just fabulous. She's, a, she's a, an Aquarian, and she's completely crazy, but she's brilliant. So we're all at um, our sushi place, um, Matsuri. It's like our cafeteria. Sicily only knows from Matsuri and Cook Shop, where the bill is never less than 100 bucks. Mommy, can we go to Matsuri tonight? Like, like it's just like second nature. But she has good taste. So I'll work my ass off because if she wants Matsuri, we're going to Matsuri. I know that doesn't charm you here at Colorado College. <laughs> Can't eat fish anyway. What can you eat? Oh, she is now a self-proclaimed vegetarian. She will eat a little bit of fish, but that's it. Of course... I, when we went out, we did everything. We bought the crock pot for slow cooking. We bought the vegan cookbook. We've, I've tried to make, like, you know, these elaborate, you know, uh, Satan, some aptly named. <laughs> the tortures of hell of vegan cooking. But she decided she wanted to be a, a vegetarian. I'm so proud of her. She started the hippieism club at school. She came home yesterday. She goes, I'm so mad at um, Yoko Ono. I was like, why? Because she married John Lennon. I should have. She writes on her hand, I love you, John Lennon. And she called me that she wanted, she wanted to download, um, um, imagine, all, imagine all the people. She didn't, not imagine. Can I download Imagine All the People, Mommy? I said, you know you can. She did it twice by mistake. <laughs> On Sarah's computer. Bingo. <laughs> so anyway, I broke the news to her that I... Because my niece, Adrian was grilling me. She goes, now, who'd you end up voting for? I said, uh, Obama, Obama. And she says, like, you said you were going to vote for me. I was like, I know, baby. I'm so sorry. I'm so confused. I'm having some... You promised me money. She hid, and she hides her face. When she gets upset, she hides her face like that. So I had to talk her down and just try to explain to her that, you know, I think it was really the lying that got to her. She was, please don't ever lie to me again. I said, I'll, listen, I said, however it works out, it's going to be the right thing. I promise you, honey. I promise you. But so, she wants to stay up and watch the debates. She made um, Giuliani masks. She cut out a happy Giuliani and an unhappy Giuliani and glued them to popsicle sticks and did a sketch. She talks about his teeth, how, much, how many teeth he has, and does he really need all of those teeth? She's a chip off the old block. I'm proud. I'm happy. I'm very happy. I'm very delighted about it. Um, what time is it? I thought I've been up for three fucking years. <laughs> Maybe the election happened already. Not that I can stay forever. What time is it? Anything? 
Are you shitting me? I'm not even like halfway through the show. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, you see, you inspired me. You did. You did. I was um, making out with Britney Spears recently. No, it was okay. We ran into each other going the wrong way down the 134. It was Lindsay and... Who else was there? Paris and Nicole, exactly. So we pulled over and I just, I got out of my car and said, what the fuck are you stupid girls doing? Just get in my car right now before the cops get here. So we drove downtown to, took them down to Little Tokyo, as in Los Angeles, by the way, in case I hadn't mentioned it. And they were crying hysterically. I don't understand it. I'm so frightened. I fucked up. I don't know. I just said, be quiet for once in your life. Don't say anything. I took them down to Little Tokyo for some miso soup to balance out their yin and their yang. I took them to a Buddhist temple where they was doing a bell ceremony and they were just dumbfounded. They were just dumb. And we drove around for a while and I just wanted to give them, you know, a feeling of Los Angeles. We went downtown, way downtown where the homeless people live and the fires were burning out of the barrels late at night and they were you know, it was shiny in their faces and they were just like children just taking it all in and then we went back to the valley um, and they were just starving they needed to eat, they really needed some food I could see that so we went to Dupar's for an early breakfast but first I stopped at, um, at Rite Aid to buy some construction paper or some glue sticks and dull scissors and colored crayon pencils so they could do a little project while they were waiting for breakfast to arrive. We ordered everything on the menu, French toast, bacon, eggs, omelets, and they ate and they just, ah, they were just enjoying themselves, potatoes and, and pancakes. And then I took them over to um, Macy's to buy them for some jockey for women white panties. I said, go to the dressing room and put these on. Nobody wants to see that. <laughs> well, eventually they all had to go their own way. Lindsay had to go back to rehab. Nicole had to meet up with her bail bondsman. Paris just evaporated. Somebody had said something mean about her. But Brittany was really feeling, well, like she just wanted to hang out. I said, come with me. Come on, sweetie. We'll do some. We'll hang out in the valley. I got some errands to run. I put on national public radio, fresh air, Terry Gross out of Philadelphia. She was ri riveted. We drove around deep into the valley. I took her to um, 
my, one of my big top, what do they call it? Costco, I needed some paper products. My double ply Charmin, five and one rolls. My bounty single, you know, she, you know, you can, as you like it, roll. You know. And we had a ball. We were going up and down the aisles, screaming with laughter. The Mexicans were staring at us. Que loco. <laughs> I grabbed a case of Pennzoil to change and my, needed to lube my car. My 91 Acura Legend in gold. Then I took her back to the house in the valley, my Spanish bungalow. And I wanted to play her some music. I wanted to get her back to her roots, her musical roots. We listened to some Laura Nero and Joni Mitchell and Sergio Mendez in Brazil 66. Oh, we listened to everything under the sun. She was just speechless. At one point I just reached over and pulled out a big wad of tropical bubble gum and put it on the coffee table. The next thing I know we wake up and it's three o'clock in the morning and she's staring down at me crying. And I said, I know baby. It's overwhelming. There's a lot going on. Come on, let's get dressed. Let me take you back to your car which she had left in the parking lot of the coffee lean and tea beef on Ventura and Whitsit. And we drove in the cold early morning of Los Angeles, you know, when that fog is just kind of hanging. And we talked very quietly and whispers were barely hear each other. And we sat in that parking lot for a while and I said, hey, lady. I pulled on her poor boy cap. I said, I know it's getting crazy for you. It's just been too much. Your parents pulled you out of your childhood and threw you into a Disney world. No kid could possibly understand or fathom. And then, you know, you end up with two kids within a year and a half. And I know you go out and you party with your friends because you want to connect. You want to feel some emotion. And you know what? You did today. Sometimes you only need to spend 12 hours with somebody to really open up your heart. I mean, but just think of it like this. I mean, just imagine right now, like the, the, you can feel the wings of a butterfly flapping in China. I said, when you leave tonight, when you get back behind the wheel of the car, roll down the window. Let the wind blow through your head. Feel the breeze against your skin. <laughs> Go knock on your door. It's your door. You take your two babies. Go down to the beach and run in the waves. Kiss them, squeeze them. Not too hard. <laughs> 
And don't let anyone tell you you can't be a beautiful person because you are. Dr. Phil doesn't know shit. I'm here to tell you you're a good girl. And you can have it all, lady, if you want it. And we paused for a moment and she said, but I don't even know how to reach you. So I gave her my cell phone number. I had to uh, change it two weeks ago. <laughs> and there was that moment I thought to myself, should I just take her home and take care of her and make it all right? And I said, I can't. I can't do it. She said, let the little bird fly. And I gave her a kiss on the cheek and I hugged her and I didn't know, oh God, if I'd ever see her again. But I knew one thing. We were both changed forever in that moment. And the tears were running down her face and she got behind the wheel of the car and drove off. And Well, I drove up back to my place. and I was misty as hell. And I sat down at the piano and the dawn was breaking through the light in the morning. I sat at the piano and I wrote this song. If you don't want me to kiss you, then you'd better let me go. I've been holding on forever with nothing much to show.
so long, Nicole. I miss you, Lindsay. Hang tough, Paris. Brittany, goodbye. Please don't cry. Please don't die. The bottom line is, ladies and gentlemen, you never know what's going to inspire you. A resolution that tastes great. Great taste plus vitamins and minerals. Diet Coke Plus. I recently performed, it was last summer now, on Rosie's uh, cruise, family cruise. And um, Cicely was in uh, our stateroom putting on some of this um, lip balm. I said, where'd you get that, honey? She was from a gift bag. So what is that? Coors Light? <laughs> Meet that. I um, couldn't help but pick up this new cologne the other day at Rite Aid. For men, blue seduction. Antonio Banderas. I said, you know, when a man has done his many wonderful films, Almodovar films, classic Spanish films as Antonio, what is left for a man to do but to develop a wonderful cologne? And here he is on the back. And then I looked closer and I realized they had forgotten to give him the bottle of perfume. He was just holding nothing, actually. And they figured, oh, fuck it, just take the picture now. Wonderful little gifts for sure. I never buy these magazines, but I was taken by the, this particular cover. It was Nicole's Fears for Katie. Leave Tom now before your fro forehead becomes as tall and frozen as mine. By the way, um, I don't know if you get that magazine here. It's, it's a, a parody magazine. I can't even remember. They did that. They showed a big picture of uh, Nicole and her frozen forehead. And I said, thank you for stealing that from my show, motherfucker. There's a writer's strike going on for a good reason. Because I'm writing everybody's fucking material. I am always getting invitations in the mail to join up in some wonderful opportunities, the luxury life. And this one really caught my eye. 
five-star luxury Newport style, the Carnegie Tower. Five-star luxury living there. Number one. Bless you, by the way. There's some sort of contagion. At your service, at your leisure, at your discretion, at the Carnegie Tower, five-star luxury living is at your command. From transportation to entertainment, from necessities to celebration, whatever you wish, it will be arranged at once. Can you please get Tina Turner out of retirement to perform this evening at my dinner party? Thank you. I think that's too much to ask. Number two, refreshing amenities. The atmosphere of the Carnegie Tower is that of a luxury resort hotel with round-the-clock concierge services, a valet parking, a full-size swimming pool, and spa with private cabanas, and complete exercise facilities with personal trainers at on-call. I don't care if it's 3 a.m. You send that bastard up. I want to work out now. The rest of the world, oh, who cares? We all live under the same sky. But we don't all have the same horizons. Like Susie, my mother in law, and I were discussing before the show tonight, we were talking about the wide open spaces of Colorado. And you know the expansive spaces, and then somebody comes along and says, "Look at this big expansive space. Let's build something here. Let's build something luxury. How about expansive, not expensive?" Now I'm always getting crazy things in the mail. Sarah grabbed this recently, and she said, "What is this crap? The way to happiness: a common sense guide to better living." Who are these two people? I said, Give me that. I'm like, oh, that's Mary Ann and Izzy Chait. I used to do their nails in the 70s and house sit for them in Santa Monica. I want to see what this is. I'm intrigued. How to use this book. You, of course, wish to help your contacts and friends. Choose someone whose actions, however remotely, may influence your own survival. Why I gave you this book. Your survival is important to me. One, take care of yourself. One dash one. Get care when you are ill. When they are ill, even with communicable diseases, people often do not isolate themselves or seek proper treatment. This, as you can easily see, tends to put you at risk. Insist that when someone is ill, that he or she takes the proper precautions and gets proper care. I don't care if you don't have insurance. You get your ass to a doctor now. You are putting me at risk. One dash two, keep your body clean. People who do not bathe or wash their hands regularly can carry germs. They put you at risk. There you go, putting me at risk again. You are well within your rights to insist that people bathe regularly and wash their hands. 
1-3, preserve your teeth. If one brushed one's teeth after every meal, it has been said that one would not suffer tooth decay. This or chewing gum after each meal goes far toward defending others from oral diseases and bad breath. Suggest to others that they preserve their teeth. Can you imagine? If we all left here tonight and we ran into an old friend on the street or a total stranger said, preserve your teeth, preserve your teeth, how we would change the balance of consciousness in the world? Don't be promiscuous. Love and help children. Honor and help your parents. This is revolutionary. Do not murder. I like it. Don't do anything illegal. Support a government designed and run for all the people. I love it, but where is it? Well, kids, you can brush your teeth, you can preserve your teeth, you can fucking go out and vote, you can change the world, but don't ever forget, it is a fucking jungle out there! <laughs>
to bed You gotta get up so early in the morning, get the kids to school and I know you feel dead But I promise you baby tonight you're gonna be fine, I just know I'm sure there's somebody out there Sure, tonight when I get down on my knees and pray to heaven above, there's only one thing that really matters, and that's that we all feel love. And I guess I should have known by the way you parked your car sideways that it wouldn't last. You're the kind of person who believes in making out once and love them and leave them. I guess I must be down in a pocket full of horses, Trojans, and some of them used. But if 
Baby 